In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to the Trek Culture Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Ferrick, and joining me is the woman who very literally brought a lot of our childhoods back to us. Liz Kukowski, how are you getting on? Thank you so much for joining us. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Uh, it is an absolute pleasure. Um, full disclosure to people watching and listening along, I have been lucky enough, uh, and you have been gracious enough that we have had a conversation before, so this is like old friends getting together again. How are you, Liz? What's the story? <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> well, you said that you just went and watched our last video and I'm like, oh, I should have done that. You know, <laughs> just see what, what, uh, you know, figure out what questions you're going to ask this time. But it's, uh, it's, it's, it's grand. It's like, you know, I probably shouldn't even have said it. I was like, I could have got away with that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> excuse me. Sorry. Uh, yes. Uh, you were gracious of that. We did an interview before on the Clone Star pod. And thank you very much again. Big up, Mike and show. But I am going to ask you a whole bunch of the same questions again, which is just okay. The first, actually, the very first question I got to ask you is, what is the question that is approaching the, oh God, everyone asks me this question. Oh yeah, that's a good question. So uh, probably, how hard was it to find the carpet on the Enterprise D? Um, and it's the carpet, I mean, that was the hardest part of, I mean, it's not, it's, locating carpet's not a hard thing. It was just that specific one from the, you know, 1987. Um, but there's been a lot of talk about, yeah, how hard was it for you to find, like people are hyping up how hard it was. And it's really just like the timeline that we had and, you know, what was available and, you know, when stuff's not readily available, there's a drama, but um, that's probably been the most asked question. That's actually got, I remember when, cause by the, of course, by the time the episode drops, I mean, that's nearly, nearly two years after, you know, it had been at least in production, if not wrapped at that stage. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I had done three shows since that, since we wrapped up Picard. So I was, I'm on like, you know, I'm in a different world, but even now I'm still doing podcasts about the show that we did two years ago, you know? So it's, that's also very strange. (laughs) Is it like, is it kind of like a moment that's been like frozen in time for you now? It's like, you know, kind of like, you know, people talk about, oh, do you remember that? Yes. I get asked about it every single day. 
Totally. I'm like, I'm going to, Star Trek's going to follow me around forever now. Like I'm in the, you know, they welcome me into the family, but like my friends and family, I'm like, Hey, look at this article. Um, look, I did this video and nobody cares because I've been talking <laughs> about it for two years. So that's kind of funny, but uh, it's true. I'm, I mean, I'm going to, I'm accepting it and I'm happy with it. So I have no question of the fact that like I'm going to be, I know, like in my 70s at some point and, you know, talking into a microphone that's not connected to anything. I'm just there at a convention <laughs> and you are going to be, you know, sure. Hey, and yes, I will. Yes, I did the Enterprise D and yes, we found the carpet and yes, yeah. the horseshoe matches <laughs> as close as possible the horseshoe of the Enterprise D. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, because because I mean, we have people from the original series are still doing the convention circuit and as well as yeah. rightly they should. But yeah, I, I'm afraid you're in it for life now. <laughs> yeah, that's, you know, it's funny when I um, ran into uh, William Shatner at the Ticonderoga event, he's been it's been following him around for 57 years. So what does the guy want to talk about? You know, yeah, he'll talk about Star Trek. And when he does, it's iconic. But like 57 years is a long time to be talking about anything. <laughs> that, that, do, do, do you know what that tells me? That tells me, right, we've got to make you art director on every single iteration of Star Trek for the right. next 57 years. Just, you know, <laughs> kind of just, you know, so you have something, you know, some, something that like people won't have, won't have been aware of when the brand new episode drops while you're at the convention. Um, right. and, <laughs> and also I can think of nothing more stressful. Than working on Star Trek? Yeah, well, but but also, you know, kind of like, you know, kind of like, you know, oh, great. I'm going to the convention every year. They're never going to let me sleep. They're never yeah, going to yeah. let me. Yeah. Well, that's true. No, if, yeah. And I, I've only been to a couple. Like, this is, convention circuit is new to me. The podcasts, I've, I've been doing some now, but that's also new to me. You were like my first podcast, I think. Yeah. Um, it was you and then I think Jesse Gender. You guys, I had you guys in the same week and I had never been like, I had never done anything before. So I'm like, am I allowed to say that? So now I'm like, I'm getting into the swing of it, but the conventions too, that was so new to me. I hadn't even been like to Comic-Con, like as a visitor, Never mind, you know, speaking. So it's, that's all it's, yeah. I mean, it's exciting. And I, yeah, I mean, I'm rolling with it. <laughs> that is like, but that is awesome. Cause like it's, we've been, we've been lucky enough. We've, we've, we, you know, we've had a chat with Dave. We've had a chat with Kit and obviously we've had a chat in the past before. Like I'm loving particularly from a Trekkies point of view, but also just from a film fan point of view, that there's so much spotlight being shown on not just the, you know, the acting, not just the writing, all of which is just great crack, but there's so much more that goes into it. So again, to talk to yourself, like, you know, kind of like, yes, there was this wonderful monologue delivered by this station. How much of a pain in the hole was it to make that chair look the way that it did? Right. Well, yeah. And it's, I mean, on every show we have those, those types of struggles and every show is a little bit different, but Star Trek is the only thing where the fans care about the chair or they care about this or that, or the, the minutia of it. Like, I mean, I've watched a whole bunch of shows and I have a huge collection of coffee table art books and, you know, all of my favorite fantasy and sci-fi shows. Like I have the art book on it. Um, but yeah, asking those people, oh, how hard was it to do this? Like you don't get to do that, you know? And so Star Trek is, you. I mean, and I don't know if it's because the ship is like a character. And so you guys are giving the ship the same treatment as you give an actor. And then we, me, Dave, Kit, like we're kind of associated with the ship, you know, and that's how it happened. But I'm still trying to figure it out. Like why you guys are interested in, I mean, it's Star Trek. Like I'm, I'm, it's, I'm slowly discovering. <laughs> but like that, but that's got, because 
like, cause I, I was, again, going back to our episode, I was, I know that you came on uh, episode, I think it was episode three of season two that you, you joined kind of the, like it is clearly the Star Trek family, but also the Star Trek behemoth. Um, right. And, and by the end of the season, it, someone, uh, someone turns around to Dave and says, actually, you know, Liz watches Star Trek, right? So, so yeah. like you are, like you, you go into Trek as, and as, you know, as a, hyper covered head to toe tattoos Star Trek fan or you know kind of like a right okay I have to hide this because if they think I'm too much of a fan they might think I've stumbled on a board like how how much were you allowed to let your Trekkie flag fly before you're dressing the character of the Enterprise D yeah well, that's a that's a good question too so I was hiding actually how much I didn't know about Star Trek because I liked it but like I hadn't I haven't seen every episode seven times and so there's sure. a difference in in extreme Trekkie, then Trekkie, then like I saw the Kelvin movies and then I saw TNG and then I watched this stuff in the nineties and early two thousands. But like the, like Dave would come in here off like, to my office and he would describe an episode and he'd be like, tell me the episode title. And so I would like, well, I'm high stress all the time. So he's like, yeah, the episode where, um, Picard gets, you know, zapped by a drone and then there's a flute and blah. I'm like, inner light. You know, but but like you, you, they really ask, you know, OK, what's the episode where Data, you know, goes on trial for you know, has to like argue, argue for his existence because he's a robot, you know, and it's like a uh, measure of a man, you know, but like then you get into watching all these episodes and you're, I'm like, well, measure of a man is actually my favorite episode of TNG, you know, and so like you you start thinking about it more. But I hadn't had that exercise of like being in the trek Trekkie world, really, like I kind of came on the grid when I got hired and then I said, oh, shit, there's a lot I don't know about this show that I like. Um, and so then and then that's when I had started doing the research. And I had already done all of TNG over COVID. And I was like deep into Deep Space Nine when they hired me. And that's when Bruce had said, hey, do you know Liz watches Star Trek? But I, I like had it fresh. And I do that a lot um, when I'm I've joined a lot of shows in like season three, season five. Like when you get into a show that late, like you've got to watch the episodes you know, so that you know the characters and you know, like all this history. So you don't make like, you know, blunders like, oh, we use those those chairs in season one of this show. And, you know, like you have to know kind of what what was done. Um, but not everybody does that. Like technically an art director can come in and we're designing sets now. So what do we need to do for, with season one sets? I mean, it like when I was on How to Get Away with Murder, um, that's a show that brings sets back. So there'll be a flashback okay. back to season one. And so then we have to bring that back. So so it is really important to have that knowledge. You know, and I had to watch five seasons or four seasons of Murder before I joined season five. So, you know, you have to kind of jump into it. But uh, like, why wouldn't I do that? So that's what I was doing. But then I looked at Star Trek and it was like 800 episodes of content. And I was like, oh, God, like I am behind, you know, because I'm not like now I'm caught up with, you know, mostly everything. And like the new shows I'm caught up with. And I went back and rewatched, you know, original series like start to finish, which I'd only seen like an episode here, an episode there, but I hadn't seen everything like sequentially. So yeah, it was a lot of research, but, but I was hiding, I think that how much I didn't know, like I wanted them to think I was, I was this big knowledgeable person and I was really under qualified, under skilled, under like rated, like it, it was, yeah, I had a, a lot to prove. <laughs> it's, it, it, it's gas. Cause I think, um, I know I certainly thought this in the beginning, but it's like, it's like every person from, showrunner to you know uh intern uh must have encyclopedic knowledge of star trek to work in the franchise and if you don't that's it you'll, you'll never get near the set and and i know it's not like that for everyone because also it couldn't be because you'd never get a full crew um right. 
but uh, there's a lot of Trekkies out there. There are a lot, but not like on set. Some people knew it and some people didn't. And so they just would call us that watched it when they had questions. Like what's like on, on the Elios, we had all of Beverly's like her tchotchkes and all the things that are like Beverly centric. But we also had a lot of stuff on there that was just filler. But some mm-hmm. of like a camera might not know. He doesn't have to know Star Trek. He needs to know how to operate a camera. Right. So so they would call me down or Dave down or somebody to explain this is important. Focus on this. You This you can glaze over. Uh, but they, yeah, it's kind of like having that dialogue on the day so that we don't make any blunders or we're not zooming in on something that's like from the goodwill, <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> I can just imagine like like the the excitement because I'm. You know, I go, yeah, okay, Sean, like, you know, have a look at this. Should that be there? Like, that's a really, really nice picture of Burnham, but that's from the 32nd century. So, what would that be doing on a ship on the Elios in the 25th century? Which I'm sure probably wasn't the case. Like, I love careful of that, though. And even the chairs, too. So, there were some chairs from, yeah, like the the season, the later season of Discovery, where they're in a few, they're 900 years in the future. We had some of those chairs. Um, because there's cool sci-fi chairs, generic, yada, yada, yada. But someone has to remember, oh, we use those chairs in Discovery. So why would we, why would they be uh, in the year 2400 Picard? You know, uh, I mean, like like that's because it, and, and that's again, you're, you're dealing with the fandom that, you know, I mean, crazy it sounds. I literally am there with a notepad in my defense, part of my job, but still, yes, uh, I literally am there with a notepad going, okay, that's great. That's cool. And we have, we have all the fun and it's great. I'm still three years on calling it fun because I still enjoy it. Yes. I see a therapist. Um, But (laughs) But so do I now too. I'm like watching this stuff like, Oh, they did that. Or like materials. I have like a materials library in my head. And so now when you're watching it, like, like, yeah, you're taking notes of what, like, especially the other shows, like the Canada shows, their sets are amazing. You know, and I'm like, oh, man, I wish we did that. Or I wish we had enough money to do that, you know, or, or look at how creative that was. So, yeah, it is our job. <laughs> That's actually so you just raised an amazing point there because you're right, because there is, um, you know, certainly in the production life of Picard and Discovery and Stranger Worlds, there's the Canada shows. And then there's I mean, you were in this little known town at the West Coast of America. Um, I was near that sign that says the word. Uh, but actually, that was the unusual one because the others were, of course, f- filming up in Toronto. So it's not like right. you hear this story of, you know, uh, I know I think it was when Nemesis was filming and, you know, the, the crew of Enterprise were walking in and out of each other's sets and saying hello and everything. Did, in a weird way, even though you're in L.A., did it feel a bit kind of isolated? Yeah, we, I, everything's going to Canada now. So we were the only ones shooting in L.A. And L.A. is a lot more expensive. And actually, that was a challenge for us because I think the Canada shows, I think the dollar goes more. I think construction is a little cheaper up there. So they're able to design these like super cool. I'm like, oh, man, that that is like epic. And if I had had that, you know, pitch that to construction in L.A., it'd be like four million dollars. You know, it'd say like there's no way we would build it. But. I, I don't quite know how what that difference is. Um, I just feel like like maybe we were restricted a little bit by the budget. And it's not like we didn't have budget. Like so a lot of these sets were like 1.1, 1.2, five, you know, like they, they were like really expensive sets. And, and it's, you know, everything, it's, you know, it's it's the the um, element that you're in, the weather, the, the, with the times and like everything that's going on on that show. But I'm like, oh, these Canada shows have pulled off some really, really amazing things. Like they're so talented. 
Um, and so, you know, but it's also like we've designed, we had, some, we, you know, some thrown out designs that never saw the light of day because they were too expensive. You know, and that's just because shooting in LA, like by nature is expensive. It's kind of, it's kind of, a, it's like a, there, there's a give and take to it. But but then yeah. with that as well, do you find just there's so much, there kind of has to be innovation. I mean, you know, obviously yeah. Star Trek Picard is by no means a low budget show. It, it isn't. But then you hear just throughout filmic history you hear these stories of well we'd no money so we did this and it becomes one of the most iconic things in cinema yeah, yeah well and even like discovery was doing that too we were studying there like sick bay or something and they had these like sink strainers and they painted them differently and they put them on the wall and they looked like like gauges and gadgets and all of that and dave was like look at that that is a sink strainer like you guys need to be doing this because that type of innovation is very unique to star trek uh, and I think the other, the two shows, Strange New Worlds and Discovery, they're close to, they're in the same city and they share mm. props, set dressing, all of that, which I didn't know. I mean, it makes sense. But we, at the end of Picard, because we were in our last season, so all of our stuff would get thrown out or, you know, some of it would go to archives. We, Canada took a lot of stuff from us, you know, and we just had to fright it up there. But that even that's a hassle. It's not like, oh, we're on the same lot, like sharing the same sets. I, 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 I can well imagine like everything, I mean, be a truck or, presumably plain, um, you know, it's like, right, okay, then you have to account for shipping. You have to account for, you know, packing everything up properly because, um, you know, great, this was an amazingly detailed, you know, screen or something that we created and it arrived to Toronto and, and there's this bit of it and this bit of it and this bit of it because it completely shattered in uh, in transport. <laughs> the, specifically, because obviously I know we're, we're going to talk more about the Enterprise D set, which I'm sure, I, I really hope it never gets to a stage where where, you know, you're like, you know, there's other things I did in Star Trek as well, right? <laughs> no, my my apartment is full of Enterprise D. Like you walk in and you're like, oh God. Because if it's like everything, all the artwork that we framed and the things I kept, you know, like Dave's panorama, I can see it from where I'm at. You know, like it's, there's just like a lot of Star Trek when you walk in. So I'll never get tired of it. Uh, Excellent. Don't feel guilty. <laughs> Excellent. Cool. Cool. So just like, because I'd love to say, and I'll just unravel the script of questions about the Enterprise thing. But, uh, but actually, just just another couple of bits about the Elios. Um, so uh, it's something that was really interesting that we, uh, I'm going to keep saying to the poor people that we listened to, that we talked about before, but the shape of the Elios bridge, that presented a bit of a challenge as as well, didn't it? Yeah. So that was one of those sets that we were reusing. So they, they, gave us um we're gonna put that set where soon's lab was from season two hmm. and then um don't take anything apart just use the walls and turn that into a bridge and soon's lab so it was soon's lab and then soji's room was like downstairs um but the thing's a square and so dave was like all right so you know come up with a plan to to switch this over to um like a Kind of like an alien esque, um, raven esque, like a you know, a hundred year old or fifty year old um, bridge, and so start doing research. So all the research I was doing, all the bridges are circles. Like you know, they kind of have that. I don't know if circles are just more futuristic or what, but I was like, dude, there are no squares anywhere. It's a square, a square room, and, you know, and so it's like the square peg into the round hole. You know, that's actually what we had to deal with. Um, and so we did curvify it a little bit. Like we kind of clocked the corners off and we came up with a plan that Dave liked. Um, and then when John Eves was designing this ship, he actually squareified the top of the exterior of this the ship, kind of where their view screen would be so that it, it was kind of a, a round ship with like a round bridge on the top with the little view screen. Um, so he squareified it to kind of match where we were so that people weren't like, Oh, that doesn't, you know, your VFX doesn't match your actual set, but I was, and that was my first set. 
So I'm like, if this, if this sucks and the fans don't like it and Dave doesn't like it, it doesn't look like Star Trek. So then I was like, well, the ship, it's not Starfleet, right? It's just like an alien ship. Like they kept giving us like, you know, the red blinky lights and all that, um, which alien did, but also um, TOS did, you know, that those were still a thing in the older ships. I'm like, so it's not, it's not Starfleet. And then Terry was like, no, it's yeah, it, Starfleet. Um, or, you know, <laughs> Federation is what it was. Um, and I'm like, it was, then they're like, oh, it's decommissioned. So I'm like, okay, so now we can play with like it's decommissioned. It's just the hull, the ship outside looks like something, but then the insides, all the stuff that they bought or like traded for, you know, and had, so there's some new technology, there's some old technology. You've got the vintage L cars. Like it actually really worked out, but I was sweating before this episode aired. Like, what are people going to say? And I like logged into Twitter and looked and everyone's like, oh, we love it. And I'm like, oh, thank God. <laughs> it was, it was, it's stressful. And I don't know if I'm like that. They're drawing me now. Like somebody drew like a fan art and it's like me pulling my hair out. And I'm like, is that what people think of me? <laughs> but yes. Like, it, it, it's got because like it, it would be it would be so forgivable from because right so i am a card carrying i have problems trekkie like so i i would well imagine that every single member of every single set is starts their day in pure terror because <laughs> there's going to be something like you know kind of like I, you know at the end of the day it's like hang on hang on hang on that l car that was that was only half an inch but it should have been two inches wide and you know kind of like you know okuda no um and uh, i mean okuda won't make any mistakes but yeah i had that with the door jams on the enterprise d where they were there uh, I, I don't know it's a, i'm embarrassed now that i was mad about it but the, the we drew them uh, and i didn't catch it on the drawing they're they're supposed to be recessed so you have like a flat door and then you have the little strip down the middle they're supposed to be like like set in and we pushed it so it was set out um so it was like we did it uh Right. And so I was the construction about how we're going to change it so that it's accurate. And they were like, we are not redoing the doors for this. Like no one's going to notice. And I was like, that's it. Was sad about it. And then when we got there on the day, nobody noticed it. When the Akutas came and looked, nobody noticed it. And it's just me like stressing about the thickness of the door jams. You know, I like it. <laughs> but like it also, it, it, it goes shows well, like there, there will be like you're from, from pencil to paper to whatever, like, you know, you're there. This is your life. You live that door for the duration of that door's life. You know that say, door. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, and then you will have, you know, perhaps, you know, the actors, you know, you know, kind of maybe the Michael Kudas of the world, maybe the Dave Blasses of the world are the people who will pick up on that. But like, you're like, I actually, you know, I, I know that I, I kind of feel about it like, you know, there needs to be like incredibly specific counselors um on <laughs> on the on the sets of these shows uh, you just for you know i could just imagine like you know some guy like hang on right okay hang on you, you need a counselor with what training okay that's a new that's a new one <laughs> well that's what we do is like a film crew so we're t i see these guys more than i see like my cat right so you're there 12 14 16 hour days five six sometimes seven days a week so you're really like in it with these people um, until the show is done or until the project's done. But um, we kind of counsel each other, you know? So this was Tomas uh, Salvin, um, in the construction coordinator. He was like, it's going to be fine. You know, and like pats me on the back. And like, so so we do kind of encourage each other or, you know, Andy and special effects or with Nate, those guys, like they design these amazing things. And you've got to be like, wow, that is bitching. Like, that is so cool. You know, and you've got to like encourage them. Or when someone's sad that something, you know, the designer didn't like something, which happens sometimes. But um, 
you've got to be like, it's going to be fine. Like this, well, this is how we're going to make it work or yada, yada. So we kind of do support each other um, just because we are so close. But, and then sometimes you see each other again on other shows. Sometimes you never see the people again. Like you've moved on, you know, that, that, that is the, the, the sort of the cyclical thing of working in, in film and television. Um, you know, uh, you're kind of like pe- people see it's just, it's like the questions that, you know, I'm sure the TNG cast get like, you know, oh, do you see each other every weekend? Do you go out for dinners? You know, because because you, you have this incredible close bond while you are filming and while you are producing the show. And, you know, and this is simply another version of this, you know, oh, my God, do you see Dave every other week? And, you know, do you hang out with Kit at the weekend? And you're like, no, I can't stand them. I hate those two guys. <laughs> Normally, so normally, yeah, like people are like, oh, let's go hiking. And I'm like, I just saw your faces all week. Like, I don't want to see you on the weekend. Like, I need like, like space. But but also we're kind of like, yeah, I'll be there. You know, and we all go out for drinks on Fridays and we're all like, like, yeah, we do that. I mean, you kind of fall out of it when you go on other shows because you meet new people that you're seeing for 14, 16 hour days. But this has been different too because of we've been doing the festival circuit or the um like other conventions. So I've seen a lot of Dave and Todd and James Adding came with us to Vegas. Um, the Akutas, like, yeah, like they, they're like, Hey, we're having a barbecue. Would you like to come? And I'm like, yes, yes, I would. You know, like, <laughs> so yeah, so we, I do see a lot more of them, you know, and I think that is cause they, you know, it's a family. So you've got your Star Trek family. Like I see them on the internet, like every day, people yeah. are updating about their lives and I'm tuned in with, with that. But also the cool thing is when you uh, work with people that you haven't seen in a couple of years, but we've had that past experience, it's kind of like, you know, get the, get the berets back together, you know, and like you haven't seen them in years, but you, you know what their skills are, you know how you work with them. And it's kind of like old times. So I love that, you know, and so normally you try to get on, what's what we do is we, we refer our people we like from other shows to our new shows to try to keep the, the groups together. And a lot of times film crews will st- the same crew will stick together uh, as, as long as they can. Like a director has a group of people they like and they carry them um, wherever they go. Or the designer has an art department they like. So the designer will be getting different jobs, but, you know, the crew will stay together. So it's really nice. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems. But getting therapy has its own problems, too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and, of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. 
maybe I'm biased because Trek, but I do think that the the Star Trek Picard crew are the most socially active. I yeah. think of, of all of Star Trek. <laughs> well, and I blame Dave for that. So I had a Twitter, like I've been on Twitter forever, but I'm like, I'm more of an Instagram user. Like, uh, you know, it's the Instagram or Facebook to talk to my family, but I'm not really on Twitter. And so Dave, I guess, was happy with something I had done on Picard. And so he tweeted about it and he tweet he was like tagged me and then he came in my office. He's like, I tweeted about this thing and you didn't even say thank you. You didn't like reply back. And I was like, oh, I'm not, I don't check Twitter, you know? And so he got me into like, no, you need to be on Twitter. You need to see what people are saying. And, and, you know, like, like get, you get a ton of fan feedback just by reading different, different threads and articles and all of that. And Terry's on Twitter too. So those two guys, I blame them because they're the, the tweet masters. And I kind of got into it like after season, I mean, I, I was definitely more engaged after season three when, all of a sudden, like everybody's like uh, my Twitter exploded. So now I'll check it. But, you know, or, or if there's something I'm like, oh, this is post worthy. But I just never really had anything before that. That was like, you know, what I thought was social media worth, you know, like normally on Instagram, I'll post like, you know, once the set's aired, we can post about what we've like a resume thing. Like, hey, this is what I've been working on. So it's the same thing with like your website. Like once the show's aired, I'll update my website with some photos of stuff that we did just, you know, just to be updated. But yeah, I wasn't really on it at all. So I blame those guys. And now I'm sucked in. <laughs> and, and that's it. And, you know, the, the beauty of, I say beauty of social media is like, don't worry, you can escape at any time. No, it's so yeah. hard. Yeah. Because no, I miss no. out on stuff. And it's, you know, the guys are good because sometimes there'll be something I didn't see. And if I didn't reply to it, like, Dave or Todd will send it to me in a text like, hey, you should check this out. So they're pretty good about like, but uh, yeah, you're right. Like you can't escape it. Like if I deleted Twitter, it would find me still. <laughs> no, it, 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 I have I have a feeling like Twitter, the app itself would just turn up at your door and be like, uh, I noticed you didn't log in there for a while. Uh, just make sure everything's OK. <laughs> Um, right, right, right. But that's but that's also the, the the fan reception. Like if you guys hated season three, like I wouldn't have been on Twitter as much, I don't think. <laughs> oh, yeah. But it's all right because, I mean, you know, it's all right. Trekkies, they're quite quiet in our opinions. Yeah. We don't tend to, uh, you know, do extreme to extreme. We don't love this thing more than we've ever loved anything or. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So that's yeah. that's really the climate that, that we've joined into. <laughs> There, there was a question I want to ask. So in it was 2021 uh, at Vegas and obviously not name is there was an image of the bridge. Uh, I think this is gem, this this is well known knowledge at this point. An image of the bridge went out and obviously it was well before anything. Um, just was there was there a mood because I know everyone was in separate parts of you know the country at that point. But was there a mood that day of. Oh, God. Oh yeah, it was a I was, few hours. I was so mad because we had we spent all this time being secretive, and I'm being secretive with the carpet dealers, and like nobody knows what I'm working on. Like I tried so hard to keep it quiet, uh, and then it wasn't. Uh, I can't remember who it was but that that had like they were at Vegas and they were doing a little slideshow, and they're like, "Oh, um, it was only up for a, a second, you know." And it's like, yeah, a fan is going to take a photo of that and post it on the internet because I was working. I think I was in Atlanta working on a show and the screenshot of that post, um, which had been taken down, it was mm. sent to me They're like, hey, can you believe this? And I was like, I can't believe that happened. Like, that was bad. 
you know, but it's like we had spent all this time trying to keep it a secret. And even like Yerk, the uh, the German Star Trek fan, like, I, I, oh, yeah, I credit him for for really helping us keep it, keep it, be honest. I didn't even really tell him like he had a, a suspicion that we were going to do something with the Enterprise D. But I had this whole like it's it's a museum and we're, we're going to see it briefly, like blah, blah, blah. Like, I'm sure he was suspicious, but we didn't he didn't know like in how how it was going to be used. He had just done all this research for us. Even he didn't know, you know, and, and he said he was surprised. So like, really, we were saving it for the fans to be surprised, because if you watch these videos, like the unveiling videos, like in episode nine, you know, the, the reaction videos, it tears me up because I'm like, this is amazing. Like, this is really like that. That's the phenomenon. I think that chased us all around after season three f- finished. But um, yeah, to find out to find out that that had happened at Vegas. I didn't even know what Vegas was like. That was my first like. Like, oh, there's a convention in Vegas. Like, maybe you should go because I went last year or this year. Um, but yeah, it was like, I can't believe that happened. <laughs> it's 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 just it must be that's just that horrible fine line where, uh, you know, you are you, you've done this amazing thing. And as a fan, it's incredible. And as an artist, it's incredible. And you cannot talk about it for the best reasons, because it's going to be a lovely surprise. But you yeah. cannot talk about it to anyone. And. You know, but fortunately, someone someone cracked her. You know, um, right. well, I told my mom, but my mom didn't care. She like, I'm like, mom, you like this can't get out. But I like, I'm working <laughs> on this thing. It's really important. And she's like, oh, that's nice. Like, like not a care in the world, not telling anybody. But like, yeah, it's impossible for people to not like. I'm sure everybody told their spouses, and like, there's 400 people that worked on the set, so all of those people know about it. So the fact that we kept that quiet. Um, but it's, it's, uh, it, you know, it, when you're in a public setting, you have to know that it's going to get put on like we on the internet, like we were doing a presentation and somebody was live tweeting every slide that we did, yep. you know? So then it's like, oh, well now we've got to be careful that we don't show anything that we're not allowed to, <laughs> you know? <laughs> it is. And it's, it's like, it, it's, you know, the excitement, you know, I'm, I'm one of the people I follow along. We had New York comic-con just there at the weekend and, um, you know, a few people were there tweeting along and, you know, it's great because, you know, wherever you are in the world, you don't get to attend. Yeah. It's wonderful. And then it puts the pressure on as well. It's like you have to every word you say effectively becomes a press release. Right. Yeah. And that's that's new to me, too, because normally I'm like what you see is what you get, like blah, 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 blah. You know, and so now I'm like, oh, man, am I allowed to say that? And, you know, not not being like sneaky or anything. It's just like I don't want to make anybody mad, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Um, cause yeah, cause you know, these, these studios, legal departments, I mean, they never jump on these things. No, you know, the no, no letters ever get sent to anyone. And yeah, but yeah, no joking aside, like if you say the wrong thing at the wrong time, because there's a lot of the time, there's a lot of money involved in these things, right. you know? Um, and yeah, that or like, you know, a book is being released and like, you might say something that was a secret or that like I had, there was a video I wanted to show, but it was in this dvd reveal and so they didn't want us to show it because it was uh like you want things to be a surprise for fans so like i totally understand that but also normally when like the actors have like people guiding them like here's what you're allowed to say in the public forum like we're the art department like this is already uh, like like strange and nobody knows what to do with us you know <laughs> it's like asher ah, sure. they're just the people who built everything from the ground up they won't say anything to anyone actually joy Ryansley, there's a family guy joke that actually suits this and it's um 
uh, Stewie's in the back. This is very random. Stewie's in the Batcave with Batman, and uh, Stewie's like, you know, oh, you're Bruce Wayne. He's like, what? How could you possibly know this? You know, you you know, no one knows I'm you know Batman or anything. And then Stewie just kind of points at the Batmobile, says, "You hired a local team of construction workers to build a lazy Susan for your car." People talk, Bruce. Come on, <laughs> that's so true, though. Yeah, no, they absolutely do. So it's yeah, it's like we're 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 conscious about like what we're talking about, but we're excited about the things that we built. And we're not like, like, Oh, this, you know, am I allowed to say this? Like, I didn't really even think of that, you know? And so now it's like, just try to try to have fun with it without, without stepping on any toes. It's got because I'm thinking I'm thinking of like the the ten forward because I know ten forward is both a set well, no, it is a set, but like, it seems like it would be the perfect place to, at the end of a day, you know, right. Okay. The doors will open. You leave your phone outside. You come in and close the doors. You can say whatever you want. You can talk <laughs> to anyone and say anything and you can drink or not drink or whatever it is that, you know, and that's fine. But once you go through those doors again, you have <laughs> never worked a day on Star Trek in your life. And yeah. uh, it's funny. <laughs> it's funny you mentioned that about 10 forward. So back on TNG, Mike and Denise Akuda have this funny story of like ending their day at the 10 forward and having their dinner. And like, they just like, you know, it's a special place for them. And maybe the security was a little more relaxed or like for us nowadays, like the lights are off, off. And so when you're in a, like a set, that's not, not lit, it's like dark abyss, but they, I don't know if the house lights were on or what, but they would just like have their dinner or their drinks and hang out in the 10 forward after work because it was so special to them. And I just love that story so much. (laughs) I want to do that. (laughs) That sounds really cool. I'm like, oh, like, why didn't I do that when I when we were there? You know, other than like this, yeah, it's, maybe it was a little too dark. On the one hand, you know that effectively the Enterprise D bridge is cellophane wrapped, you know, between shots because of course, but like, and then of course, you know, you keep it. If if you were to believe the stories of everyone who says they got a picture on the Enterprise D, the place like Woodstock, right? So mm-hmm. you know. Where's the truth in the middle of that? Like, was there like a rap party where everyone had a glass of champagne at the Enterprise D or was it even at that stage? It was like, nope. No, um, it, people were pretty respectful of it because everybody knew it was a historical, like a historically significant piece. Um, they gave us a little speech before they started filming on it. And the uh, Ian, the AD was like very specific to be to remind everybody not to screw up the set. So no eating, no drinking, no smashing things. Um, he was really, really good about kind of keeping us all in the loop about that. But when they were done shooting it, like they 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 had other sets to shoot. Uh, it wasn't like the last day of shooting. So they all moved on to, to something else. So I do have like a folder of like me walking around with my camera, like on the last day before I left, just like selfieing with everything. And like, I have like a sad face photo of like, it's my last day on the Enterprise D because I spent like two weeks there like I was literally sitting in the chair waiting for people to come in at lunch because all these people wanted to come in and take their photos and they wanted things explained to them. Like, let me give you a tour. Like I spent weeks touring crew members around, you know, before we started to shoot it. And like, we were still working stuff out. Um, but no, we didn't have like champagne on the bridge or anything. And it, once it was done, like, you know, everybody got their photos and then they wrapped it up and sent it to archives. Um, but I do have like a nostalgic, like I'm in the turbo lift, like videoing the doors closing. And like, I, I, I did go and do all of that, like secretively. <laughs> Good. And, and you know what? I, I am bloody proud of you for doing it. I would have been disappointed if you didn't, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, oh, you, you maybe think I have to ask doors automated or not this time? 
on the Enterprise, because it was only a couple of days of shooting, um, there there's a man that, with a string. That makes it even better for me for some yeah. reason. That just makes it even even more authentic. You know? But it's the same thing. So the ones that are automated, it's a man with a button. So it's, you know, there's still somebody operating them, you know, regardless. And then the annoying thing about the automated doors is that when they're rigged, you can't just like pull them open like they're they're like motored. So then you have to call the man to open the door for you to come in and out. So <laughs> the special <laughs> effect. Yeah, the, the man, the special effect, like the one with all the power. It's like, I'm yeah, going I'm for coffee. Yeah, right. So then what they'll do is they'll release it so that then you can pull the doors open. But I've done it a few times. I've like tried to go through the doors and they were stuck. <laughs> These are like real life problems. I'm like in a rush to do something and the doors are closed and we can't find the operator. So <laughs> that was there's it's speaking of, of real life problems. Right. So there was um, so in again, previous episode, this was revealed. So I hope we're going to talk about this, that. You know, these are super detailed, super, um, if not expensive, certainly hard to source sets. Um, was what? Why was Jonathan Frakes not given a sort of a bodyguard at all times to not sit on things? <laughs> oh man, he's going to be mad at me. No, you can't. I mean, it's they're actors, right? And the actor and the director, like they, you let them do what they want. Um, the same thing, like the, there was a coffee cup brought on the Enterprise D and it was held by Terry Metalis. And so like, there's nothing I can do about that because he's the boss. So all I can do is when he puts it down, I can I can scarf it. Um, but yeah, they, you let them there. They they do. They get to do what they want because they're they're, you know, in charge. But Frakes, yeah, there's no stopping that man. Like I watched him jump through the doorway over this whole staircase and then like land at the base of the stairs. And we were like we had like that was in the Ilios. <clears throat> we were like, oh, how many, like, do we need a railing for, for Sir Patrick? Like what, you know, what does he need? Like, we're pretty conscious about making sure everything's accessible and like not trippable. So you don't want your main actor to trip. And like that first day Frakes went and jumped through the doorway and like leapt over the whole staircase and like landed on the ground. And I, we we're all standing there. Like we had, we just were having this conversation about keeping the stairs safe. And the man like leapt <laughs> like and it landed and we were all we were all looking at him right and his knees qu quivered a little bit but he was you know he's pretty spry but yeah there's no stopping him so he can sit on whatever he wants and then i'll be mad and have to fix <laughs> later. well and that was that was because it was tempered glass you know so that was kind of hard for us um if it was plexi he'd probably be able to sit on it and be fine but like when you use plexi it's like boom 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 yeah uh, i think that uh, my vast knowledge of these things no but like plexiglass at least has that tiny bit of give bus yeah um, exactly so it, so it had to be glass and i learned that the hard way too after i printed everything uh like all the bezels and all that on plexi and it, it was not working because it spanned such a long stretch so sure. when it's long and skinny um there's not like any support so it had to be glass, but the glass was broken. <laughs> um, it's 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 all right, you know, kind of if if a legacy or anything like that ever happens again, it's all right, just we make two of everything. For anything, Frakes is going to be in a set of we just make two. Um, well, we do that anyways because you don't know what's going to happen. So two is like the minimum. Sometimes we had three or four uh, repeats of things because you don't know when something's going to break or not. And did you did you ever get to four, for example, or like in terms of just? life happening did anything ever get to oh, i don't know if we've got any more after this well that the Ilios command station that was there were two breaks so that was three okay um and i had the horseshoe the tactical horseshoe in the enterprise d um somebody cleaned off my like 
my AR like glazing that makes the reflections go away. Somebody like with alcohol or something scrubbed it and it scrubbed everything off. So I had to replace that. And we replaced the ship schematic on the Enterprise D, the yellow ship schematic. That was oh, yeah. like, there was like a, a hole in the wall that that thing sat in and somebody pushed on it by accident. It fell out and broke. So we had to make that twice. God. So, so yeah, there was a lot of force. And then it's shooting for two days. And if I need half a day to make something, like I missed, like you have to, when, when you go to fix things, you have like 30 seconds. So usually we order that stuff at the beginning. That is, it's funny because, and thank God obviously that she did because, you know, I I suppose as well, it's not like, you know, kind of, oh, we need one of these great, I'll go to that pile of stuff there. You know, it's like, if something has to be specifically made and, you know, God forbid there wasn't one nearby, it's like, look, I've got to send out for that. You know, that's going to take, yeah. So we had, we had a, a local print shop that was pretty good. Like I could call them and if they weren't busy, they could turn stuff around in a couple of hours. Okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, it just depends on like how, how urgent things are stickers too. We had to change the stickers around a lot. And then one day, like nobody told me we ran out of stickers. So they're like, Hey, do you have any more of those? And I was like, Oh, so yeah, it's calling and, and getting more stickers made, you know? And then one day nobody could find the stickers and I, w- I had COVID. So I was out, I was stuck at home. So, oh, uh, I get the phone call, like, where are the stickers? But I have. Now I have like secret hiding places for things. So all my extra stuff, like I give the, the on sets will get stuff, but I have like hidey holes where stuff has been stowed away for a rainy day. So I just have to tell, direct them to where my secret stash is. That's perfect. I mean, I mean, it very just like funny as that is, that's smart because like on these kind of turnarounds. um, Yeah. Like we had a secret closet in the nacelle room. The transporter room, the cell room, there was like a secret closet door. And oh, in yeah. there, there was a little cubby hole that I had stuff, a bunch of stickers stowed. <laughs> I just have this image now of Stashwick on his back. And he's it's like, hang on, what's all this stuff here? What's what yeah, you're yeah. fixing your cloak into? I've been looking for these. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, there's that. And like, if there's a drawer in, in something, I've usually put stuff in it. Um, but then scary, I don't put it, anything in something that has wheels because then that will be moved away. And yeah. then I won't know where somebody put it. So it has to be built into the set. <laughs> the the back wall of the bridge of the Enterprise D. So this so this is different this this time for as as true and as accurate as it is to the filming set of you know the Enterprise D from Next Gen. Uh, obviously, technology has moved on a little bit. So the back wall this was done quite differently, or like di- same, but yeah. So the the structure is exactly the same. Hmm. Um, what was different was. Um, when Mike explained to me how they made every blinking light had its own light on a channel and um, their TV screens were just little CRTs. So there was only like a little square in that big aft where you would have, you know, motion. And then some of the things they had these like wheel, light wheels where you could turn, turn the wheel on and then the lights would go. And whenever he explained all of that, I was like, Oh, there's no way I'm going to be able to do that. And Todd was uh, pretty um, adamant about, working a screen in because he said well we can control every blinking light if you have the whole thing as a screen and i just i haven't seen anything that's that square you know because mm. the aft is pretty square and you know when you look at screens they're they're pretty like you know 16 9 so i was i against it until he showed me that there was a screen that fit so he found these these 50 inch screens and i, I think i had like 54 inches of space so so that um those fit perfectly and then what, what I don't want to do is to cram all the graphics into his screen. So I have a square, and then if the screen only does this, then all my graphics are stuck there. 
So I wanted to make sure that the graphics were accurate. Uh, and the only thing that, so, so basically what we do is we, we fit the screens in and then we put Plexi in front of them so that nobody messes the screen up. Hmm. And then we'll print black on the reverse side of the Plexi to bezel out. So the black will, will hide like the edges of the TV and they'll do whatever, but we can actually print graphics on the bezel. So there's at the top, there's this like, like long thin line that didn't fit on the TV screen, but I was able to fit it on the bezel so that everything fit in the aspect ratio and everything was, was there. But the cool thing about that is now Mike has full control over here's what the graphic is going to be. Maybe we'll make these things blink this time, the power up sequence that they did. You would not have been able to do that at all with, with the technology that they had in the you know late eighties, early nineties. So we had giving us that control was actually um, the right call. And so I'll give Todd credit for fighting for that because I was like, no, we will do everything the way it was. And then whenever they told me how much work it was going to be, and then, you know, things now I've got to get the, the fixtures guys to wire up all of these lights individually. And, you know, there's a lot of things that could go wrong. So having control because playback is in, in with the art department. So we could control all of those graphics um, that ended up being, I think, really useful to us. And then I had printed on that plexiglass. I printed the reflection killer so that right. um, you, you can get all those sexy shots. And it is, I mean, I think the internet has spoken, but that scene where just the wall lights up, I mean, if you weren't crying at that point, you know. I still cry. I can't watch it. I cry. (laughs) It's so well done. I mean, because if you go, if you go back like, you know, kind of 15, maybe 10 years and everything was being remade, you know, it was just, and then, so you would always get the moment where Vader gets the helmet, the moment where, you know, in 2009, the Enterprise goes to warp. There's always that big ha ha moment of like, a, whereas this was a scene of that. And it was kind of from, from the moment they pretty much arrive at space dock to the moment the ship warps out. I mean, you just, just loads of tears because oh, yeah. I it get was worked done. Up. Oh yeah. I get, I get worked up the minute Patrick Stewart, uh, Sir Patrick leans forward and he's seeing it. You know, like, and I, maybe cause I knew, but I'm like, oh man, the significance it's, you know, and that's, that's when it starts. I was sat in Terry's viewing room. Uh, I was very, very kindly. He had, uh, gave me a screening of it. Right. So I'm sat beside flipping Terry Metalis at this point and that happens. And I just kind of look at him, which this kind of like gratitude and also you bastard i mean you are gonna so was that the first time seeing it was that was my was first time seeing it because i also uh, i sort of did obviously deliberately didn't but i never saw the screenshot for example i never saw any of that so word had got to just in being on the internet right i had i had heard that okay so for me thankfully it was a excitement you know, right. I was like, great, great, cool, cool, cool. No idea, obviously, what the context was going to be. Was it going to be a museum? Should we have done, you know, museum already, you know? And then with this happened, I was just like, everything, music, everything, you know. Um, and the one thing then that I was able to really, really, like, I was able to laugh about because I remember, I think it was, because the episode, obviously, the episode made 2021, and the gag about the carpet was before, a, a section of the internet really, really went to town on the shiny floors of the Stargazer and the Titan A to the, you know, and and where it had kind of started to become not funny anymore. 
Um, and so this joke about the carpet, it's 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 funny. It seems like it's in direct response to that, but of course it isn't because it was done, you know, two years beforehand. And uh, yeah, that was kind of like, I found it funny. It, I think it, it, those that are, the internet had already had it out because um, the Stargazer in season two had been revealed and that had shiny mm-hmm. floors. And so I think the shiny floor comments had started like pretty soon because I don't know. I don't know what, what, what the, his intention was when he wrote it. Like, like, is it in, in, in response to that? But really what sucked was that they couldn't reply to any of the comments saying, oh, you'll see, you'll see. It's like, no, it's a two year secret. So then finally, when that was revealed, it's like, yeah. Yeah. You know, and I, when I read it in the script, I had had the whole carpet saga where I had like lost and found signs and like wanted posters for carpet. Like I'm asking everybody to help me with it. And so I had my own, I'm in my own little world about the carpet. And then when I get the script, so I, when I read it, I thought it was about me because then, you know, everyone's in their <laughs> own, their own head, you know? And so I'm like, does that, was that really written for because of this? And no, it wasn't, but uh, <laughs> that was, you know, it's, it was special for a lot of people for a lot of reasons. I I, I think I think it's funny. It, it's also like there's there's going to be a tell all book just called Carpet that'll come out in a few years, and everyone will have their own story. Uh, but no, that was that was brilliant. And then you know then we you know we do you know episode nine, which is you just you know just pure emotions and crying, and you know uh, the new episode ten and pure emotions and you know data's grin as they're flying through the uh the the board cube i mean just everyone's so much fun um and and then it's done and it's like all right okay stick it in a box away we go um and you know like surely there's someone going i want to rent a space and leave this standing forever but would you be able to handle the stress of being the manager of that the whole time you know like right. if say someone says, right, here's a job for you, like lifetime job, guaranteed salary, but you have to make sure no one ever puts a coffee ring on anything on that set. <laughs> well, even setting it back up. I mean, there's, I don't know how much of it um, is going to need to be rebuilt when they set it back up. Like the way they took the ceiling apart, like, you know, there's going to be th- fix it things when they set it back up. But I was like, oh, I hope they call me, you know, when it gets set back up, you know, just because I had that history. And I mean, we put everything in a binder. And so it's, I mean, any, any, anybody could set it up, but like, I'm very fond of it. It's like my, my little baby. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I'd hope they'd, they'd call me for that, but yeah, maintaining it. And it's not, it's not, it's fragile. Like it's not something that could be like a fan attraction. Like it would have, you'd have to build glass around things or, 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 you know, fix stuff when, if people touch it or or whatever but uh yeah it's it's definitely it was fragile when we were shooting it like we broke stuff just uh, just the film crew <laughs> and of course and like everyone who's involved in the production like are probably going to be you know to a certain extent they're the most careful people with the set you know because you know you know you need that to look that way obviously there's going to be some poor person who walks into something because they were trying to get a shot and that poor person will then be shot right. but um but like you know, it, it is like I, I can well imagine. And as you say, the difference between a standing set that, you know, everything is cared for and an attraction, because there, I, I will have assumed I will have cleaned my shoes enough, but I actually just didn't enough. And suddenly there's a footprint on the floor, you know, and it's like yeah. things like that. And that in 4K, there's no escaping things like that anymore. Which is why there's no carpet in most attraction sets because there's no there's no way you know and so that and it's hard to maintain and even when there is an issue like i'd have to re-carpet the place like i can't like yeah there's a carpet steamer but 
like we had something that was like a wheel tire tracks and like like from somebody's cart and like there's no getting that out you know it's 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 like burned in there so yeah like i just went to um the disney's star wars galaxy's edge i just finally went as an art director to like inspect all the sci-fi like sets that they did but it was really like my first time um seeing something that was a fan attraction you know and all of the set dressing like everything is bolted like you can't you can touch it and it does not move you know, and like if when you look at a film set, well, all that stuff's fragile and you've got to be careful with it. But yeah, I went there like with my camera to photograph like space rocks and, and you know, for research purposes. Right. Oh, um, yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> but, but seeing though how something's built as an attraction and I'm, and everything is, is steel and it's welded and, you know, it's it costs a ton more money to do that. But that's going to last a long time. So that the set that we made is not that, you know, it's definitely like it's going to it's going to need like some protection to it and of course on on the set as well is the original plaque uh from the enterprise d i i I presume like as careful as everything was with everything i presume that was like some sort of in a reliquy somewhere it was in my kakuda's garage so so uh it went back to my kakuda when we were done but um he couldn't find the frame to it but i had enough research images of what the frame looked like so we had it reframed uh, and then he he got to have it, you know, in its new frame. Um, so yeah, I don't think it's in his garage anymore. I think it's in a place of respect in his house. But yeah, it was Mike had it. So uh, our our backup plan was to use the there's a Franklin Mint version. Of oh the yeah. Oh. So James James Colley from the Star Trek tour and Ticonderoga, he sent us his Franklin Mint to use. But then Mike had Dave asked Mike for for his, and now I have two plaques in my office. Um, and so we compared them and I mean, they're pretty different. So, so we ended up going with original plaque. Uh, I mean, w- when you have access to it, I suppose, why not? Do you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but like across all of that, just, just incredible. Uh, th- but there is another set I want to give um, to shine a light on as well, because I could talk Enterprise D and have talked Enterprise D for like half an hour and would continue to for <laughs> the rest of the time. Um, but I actually want to go back to season two for a second, because I really like the NASA uh, gala i think yeah. that's brilliant yeah and that, that was, was that's all you as well yeah well no so that was me and bruce um bruce okay. booner was, was the art director so so i was there's a whole long story about getting in the door um there's so many experienced people that do the big budget stuff they do the sci-fi stuff i'm not one of those people i'm like a low budget like younger art director you know with stuff to prove so the way i got in the door with these guys was the assistant art director was leaving for another show so i took her job so an assistant art director is assigned to an art director and you work as a team. Um, so Bruce and I had uh, all of the downtown LA stuff and then um, the NASA gala pretty soon after that. So, and that was, it was so fun because we were really like in collaboration mode. Like what if we did astronauts uh, inside like light boxes, uh, like the, the, the astronaut suits and we could do suits from all the ages. And what do you think about that? And Bruce would be like, Oh, I love that idea. What about this? You know? And so we really, uh, worked really well together on that, but yeah, that was a two man. It was a pretty, Matt NASA gala was pretty big. So it was a two man team. Then, uh, it was at the NASA gala that Bruce told Dave that I was watching star Trek and then Bruce left for another job and he was like, Oh, you should give it to Liz. And, and so Dave ended up upgrading me after the NASA gala. So, so that was really cool. But that, um, yeah, there was so much history and the, all of the graphics that we did. Um, Jeff Mandel designed all these graphics of, you know, it's, it's like NASA history, but then there's a bunch of extra moon explorations 
you know, the OB-165, and they have all this, like John Eves drew all this stuff that it's Star Trek, it's not NASA, but they we incorporated it in a way where it's like the history of of Star Trek, you know, and, and like there was a Mars rover, I think, from Ad Astra, the movie that we got. Or a oh, lunar cool. Rover, it was. And it's like, eh, it's, it's, it looks like a lunar rover, but it's a little futuristic. So like, yeah, that'll work, you know, and so it's integrating that like it's Trek history, you know, but he's on Earth in you know 2024 or something so it's you know that uh what, what is it uh first contact hasn't happened yet and there's you know but but there's you can see where space exploration is going to go really far you know and like they hadn't established lunar cities yet you know we haven't settled on the moon yet but there there's tons of missions planned and so we built all of that into the graphics so that was super super fun that was i i, I remember we were doing the uh because um I, I started doing uh, the ups and downs for starting. I think it was it was Discovery season three, but so Picard season two is when I joined <laughs> as well from from my own side. And then so when that episode dropped, it was just like, ah, the Easter eggs are brilliant. But uh, the yeah, OV-165 yeah. was just like, right, that one got me. I loved seeing that because, of course, it's the only time really it's been in the body of any episode. Yeah. Yeah, and that I actually, so we had it hanging, and then we had John Eves did this beautiful artwork like on the side of the wall. I don't even know how much screen time it got, but it's this like massive poster uh, or like like hard print of the OV-165 because we were covering, we were in the Biltmore, and there was a lot of art, existing art there that we had to cover. Um, so I've got to go back and watch it and see if we saw it. But that, you know, hanging that was a big part of my job. And, you know, all this stuff that we had that was like, like even the lamps and things down below where all the cocktails were. Like all those lamps are all like a lot of them were used in original series, you know, so we we worked those in. And then I had this um, like a lunar photo op where um, we have like a light box of the moon and we had an astronaut set up. And so that was my job, too, was to come up with like a little like Neil Armstrong vignette. Uh, and that made it like you see them like posing with the like in the photo op like you, that all makes it into the show. So that was yeah, it was a lot of work. But that was uh, we had a couple of sets where Dave was really impressed by what we did. And so that's kind of how I got, he gave me the chance to, to like the Elios and the sick bay, like to be handed those right at the beginning of season three. Yeah. Like normally you would give that to like the, the more seasoned people and they, they were working on stuff too. I mean, the bridge was still, like there was a lot going on, but that for me was huge, you know, to get those assignments. Because well, like, you know, the, the obviously NASA incredible, but the Elios and sick bay, I mean, they get, a lot of screen time. I mean, you know, there's going to be a lot of scrutiny. There's going to be a lot of. So I understand basically what you're saying. It's like you know, yeah, we give that to the team we really trust. Who is Liz? Yeah, right. But I had to build that trust. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, and 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 you did. And all it took was you know, kind of uh, lifetime training to do what you do. Watching 900 hours of Star Trek and uh, absolutely smashing it with the NASA crew. You know, p- easy, <laughs> easy. You know? Yeah. Well, even now, so so now there's all this hype, right? And I haven't done a space. I've done two westerns or like uh, 1800s period pieces, really, since Star Trek. So I haven't done a sci-fi since then. So I'm like, people are gonna be. I, I've got to make sure I do a good job when we go back to sci-fi. You know, like there's a lot of hype behind it now that that I've got to deliver on. <laughs> That's great because and and again, I suppose not not to keep harping on about this, but it is. We are now at a stage where. I think a lot of us, and particularly Trekkies, we 
love the episode as it is presented to us first time. And then so much we'll go back and rewatch and we're looking at the details. And, you know, we love all of the great, you know, you've got this team is back making the sh- this is going to look good, you know, right. um, because, you know, of what's gone before. So I do understand, like, you know, kind of like if there was a moment of hesitation, you know, say let's say, you know, to, to a legacy is green litter or, or just another Star Trek show. And they're like, right, we want, you, we want this team together. I understand there being a moment of, but I do like sleep, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the dream though. Like, I really hope that something gets greenlit back in LA. Um, Cause mm. I don't know. I'm not, I'm, I'm not Canadian. Like, so, so I wouldn't be able to work on those shows. I mean, I think you could, like Dave is Canadian, so he might be able to get me on something, but uh, it's really the stuff shooting in LA. I mean, Star Trek, all of Star Trek was shot in LA. You know, yep. only until recently. So if there, if something did come to LA and there was, you know, the opportunity to bring the band back together uh, for us, yeah, that's the dream, you know, to do that. And then we've got, it's like, like I said before, we've got that history and we've got the, we've, we've done a Star Trek before. We understand Star Trek. Um, so yeah, it's, but there's still that, like, because of the hype, there's still that fear of like, oh man, are they going to like this? Or, or not, you know, so it's like not to disappoint, you know, the viewers. I think based on what we've seen already, um, you would at least be starting from a very good, from a very <laughs> good standpoint. Um, and plus, obviously, in talking to you and, you know, talking to you before and seeing your work, you, you fairly know what you're at. So <laughs> if, 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 if and when, you know, my Star Trek, Star Trek Ferric finally gets greenlit. I'm going to hire you straight away. Uh, obviously, you name your price. This will this will be, you know, it's absolutely fine. You know, we don't worry about budgets on these shows. Um, but uh, but Liz, I got I got to come to you. You've been very generous at your time. Thank you very, very much. Um, is there I really shouldn't save this question to the very end. Is there anything that perhaps you would advise someone who wants to know more about putting physically putting together these things. Um, is there any advice you would give to someone who's maybe starting out? When you say putting together these things, like, like building a set for the first Sorry, time. Sorry, that was super vague. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I suppose from, 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 I suppose Star Trek specifically, uh, from building a NASA banquet to, you know, Enterprise D to working with the Okudas, everything. Is there any, what's the best advice you would give to someone who wants to get into that? Oh, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, I would say um, what's worked for me has been to really put the time in to do the research because then people don't have to sit and explain to you um, what Star Trek is or, or it, you already have that and you can be learning even more from these people or, um, you're able to be more creative when you have that kind of backstory. So, and that's it's not just Star Trek, but like, like I said, I'm on an 1800s piece right now, really getting into that history so that you're not like, like hung up on, Oh, what does a wagon look like? You know, in 1859, like, like I've already know that. So now how can we be creative with the, you know, with, with these tools that, that we've, that we have to work with. So I, I would, yeah, I would say spend the time, do the homework, you know, and that applies to anybody. I mean, like actors do homework researching their character. The director does homework researching all the characters. Like art, art, the art department is really about researching the visuals that you're going to be using on that show. And and Dave will call Star Trek a uh, historical drama set in the future, mm-hmm. but he's not wrong. You know, because it's it's 57 years of history, 
of of looks design looks that have been established that we can use to to do our own thing. So I would I would just suggest to do the research. I mean, you don't have to watch 800 episodes, but you should watch a bunch and and read books and the art books are really important and the internet. I mean, really spend the time researching what you're doing so that you don't make a a blunder. Um, but it's also it's it's that way you're not held back with trying to figure out what a transporter room looks like. You can be like, oh, how can we make this better? You know, having all of that that research uh, ahead of time. So that would be my advice to somebody new. That's my that's my method. Proofs in the pudding method works. So. <laughs> Liz, thank you very much. Uh, we're at, so we're at the end. So I say thank you very much for your time. So for everyone who's listening and watching along, where is the best place to reach out to you, to see your work and to send you lots and lots of money uh, or uh, admiration? Uh, yeah, um, you, the social medias, I check all of those. So Twitter, Instagram. Um, I have a website, LizKlikowski.com. You guys can go there and find my details on there if you want. Grant. Excellent. Cool. Liz, thank you so much. Uh, thank you so much, everyone listening and watching along. You are awesome. Uh, please make sure that you're liking, sharing, subscribing. We're on all of the, the Twitter, the Trek Culture. We're on Instagram at Trek Culture YT. Uh, these, they, they, I don't think we have a release date really set in for these podcasts just yet. So we're learning together. Uh, so this podcast will drop on the day that you're listening to it, hopefully. Uh, but everyone, thanks so much and live long and prosper. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.